Today we're in our series called Emotional Intelligence. We're in week number two of this series, and I just have to start by saying this. Some of you are saying, why are we talking about something like this at church? This doesn't seem like a church topic. EQ? In fact, I had a, in small group this week, I had a guy come to small group, and the first, before he even said hi, first thing he said was, I got to just be honest, I don't like this series at all. We're like one week into it. He's, he's admitted already. And I was like, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your feedback. I, I mean, I think he was really trying to be authentic with me and honest with me. He had a good spirit about it. He just, was being, he just had to get it off his chest, okay? And so I said, well, look, let's, I said, what, what is it about it? He's like, it just sounds like, it sounds like Scientology or something, you know? And I think what it was is he had never heard of the term EQ before, so it just sounded weird to him. Uh, so he said, is there a way you could explain it that's maybe a little bit, like, that maybe that, where I could receive it a little bit better? And so, in the, you know, some of the other small group members tried, did their best, and, and I just said, look, it's just, look at the, look at the, the subtitle. It's just about your ability to love yourself and others. That's what EQ is. IQ is, is how smart you are. EQ is how emotionally and relationally healthy you are. And if God cares about one of those two things, he cares about EQ. He doesn't care how smart you are. You might care how smart you are. He cares about how emotionally and relationally healthy you are. He cares about your ability to love yourself. And I don't mean that in a weird, like, new age cheesy way. Like, just like, accept who you are. Know who you are. And then, and then as a result of that, your ability to relate to other people in a healthy way. Because the truth is, if you don't know yourself and love yourself, if you've got all these insecurities, if you've got all these hurts, if you've got all these wounds, if you've got all this stuff going on inside of you that you don't get right, then you, there's no way you can be a healthy person in your relationships. So many marriages are broken because we've got broken people in those marriages. We're all broken people. So marriages are broken because two imperfect people come together and, and they, they haven't ever maybe learned how to deal with what's going on inside of them. And so then it comes out. I know that's true for me. In my own life, when I'm, when I'm, good, when I'm right with God and I'm, and I'm good with myself, then I become a better husband. I become a better dad. If I'm acting out of insecurities, if I'm acting out of my own sin or my own imperfection, and I, and I live my life in such a way that I don't let anyone speak into me because I'm that unhealthy emotionally, that I don't receive any, I can't receive criticism. We're going to talk about all that today. What happens is then my relationship with other people is just all jacked up. So d internal dysfunction creates external dysfunction. And so EQ is just saying, look, I, this is what God cares about. I want, to be, I want to be a healthy person. I want to be able to see myself the way God sees me so that I can, act, I can act out of health and wholeness instead of acting out of insecurity and dysfunction. In fact, before we even get into today's topic, I just have to say this. Humans are made in God's image. That's the good news. You're made in God's image and so therefore you have worth. You don't have worth because of how smart you are or how good looking you are or how good at sports you are or any of that stuff, your, your self-worth and also everyone else's self-worth, everyone else's worth, the reason people have dignity is because they're made in God's image. The reason people who don't look like you have dignity is because they're made in God's image. 
The reason racism is wrong is because every race is made in God's image. And we should love and respect people because people matter to God. So, and and you, you are one of those people. So some, for some people, the hardest people for them to love is themselves. That's an emotionally unhealthy person. So God wants people who, who recognize, okay, we're made in God's image, so that gives me worth and dignity. But then we're also, here's the bad side, we're also born with a sin nature. Every single one of us is born with a sin nature. And there's the rub. If it just was the first thing that we're all made in God's image, great. Everybody's good. Everybody can love each other. We can have gumdrops and lollipops. And there's no war. There's no, there's no divorce. There's no dysfunction. There's no sin. But no, the Bible says that that we were all born with a sin nature, which means that we, we act out of our imperfection. We do things that are motivated first and foremost by us trying to cover up for our imperfections or, or our sins or, or whatever. So today what we're going to talk about is learning to be self-aware. This is an emotional intelligence thing. This is an EQ thing, being self-aware. A, be, learning to be self-aware will help Christians live out their new nature. So see, the Bible says it, that that when we come to faith in Christ, we get a new nature. So this old nature, this sin nature that used to rule us, that used to dominate us, that Christians should be the healthiest people in the whole world. Christians should have the highest EQ in the whole world. Followers of Jesus should be known. If people are like, oh yeah, John? No, John's a Christian. Oh, how do you know? Because he's just so good to people all the time. He's so emotionally and relationally healthy all the time. But do we ever hear that? Christians can be some of the most dysfunctional people in society. So no wonder people don't want to come to church. They're like, oh no, last time I went to church, people were backbiting and gossiping and judging. All of this stuff comes from unhealthy people. But Christians should be the most healthy people. So learning to be self-aware is what helps Christians to live out this new nature. God gives us this new nature, but we've, this new nature needs some time to work itself out of us. If all we ever talked about at church was theology, and IQ type stuff, then we would never get to the stuff that really matters to God, and this is the kind of stuff that really matters to God. So even though I don't know if we've, I've ever preached a sermon on self-awareness before, this is a really good thing for us to deal with because God wants us to be transformed from the inside out. He promised this in Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. We wouldn't need a new heart and a new spirit if we were good. We're not good. We're broken. We're all sinful. But, but God talked about this day, and that day is here. God talked about this day when he'd give us a new heart and put a new spirit in us. And he says, I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart. That's someone with low EQ. We, we, know, we all know teenagers who have stony, stubborn hearts. I've got some good friends who are dealing with their daughter right now, and it's just so frustrating to them. And it's, just, it's the type of stuff that happens all the time. But, it, but you were a teenager, older people, you were a teenager, you remember what that was like. Wouldn't it be awesome if God could take out our stony, stubborn heart, the emotionally unhealthy heart, and give instead in its place, give us a tender, responsive heart? This is what God does. And he promises this to those who come to faith in him. Many of us have put our faith in Jesus, so this message is for you. This message is for people who say, okay, I want to let God do this in me. I want to let, I want to let that, that you know, heart operation that God had on me when I first came to faith. I want to now let, I'm going to open that up to him and allow him to expose some things as we talk today about three markers of a self-aware person. If you want to be a, an emotionally healthy person who can do some good in the world for the sake of Jesus, 
which I hope if you're a Christian, that's you. If you want to be an emotionally healthy person who can do some good in the world for the sake of the kingdom of God, then I want you to evaluate these three, I want you to evaluate yourself according to these three markers. Now, I'm full disclosure, and this might help some of you. I would get a failing grade on all three of these markers. I would have gotten that 20 years ago. I was one of the most unself-aware people I've ever met in my life. I was so bad at this. I was, another word for not being self-aware is clueless. How many of you know somebody who's just so clueless? Like they're, they're clueless about how they come off to people. They're clue, they can't read a room. They're just, so, they're just so like in their own head. They're so in their own head that they can't relate to people in a normal way. That was me. I'll, just, I'll be the first to admit it. That was totally me. And somehow by some, some miracle, Tracy married me anyway. And Tracy, on the other hand, is one of the most self-aware people that I've ever met. So here we have two people, you know, one of the most, and I don't, you know, I wasn't self-aware. That doesn't mean I was like completely dysfunctional. I just was clueless. I was so clueless. And then you get married to someone who's clued in. And over the years, Tracy has helped me to be more self-aware. Let me give you an example. The other, the other day, the other night, AJ calls us down into his room and he says, check this out, and he showed us his class rank. He's a senior in high school. He showed us his class rank. It was really good. And so I looked at this, and my response was, cool, that's good, age. That was my response. And then I went on to be clueless. And Tracy kind of read the room, and she read AJ's response, and she looked at me, and she said, hey, Bri, I think AJ needs a little more than that. So this, here's a clueless guy, and this is me. I mean, I used to do this really bad 20 years ago. I'm getting better now. And so Tracy had to kind of say, hey, hey, wait a second. I, I think maybe you need, he needed a little bit more than that from his dad. And what we did that night then is, is I, I looked at AJ and I apologized to AJ. AJ, I'm so sorry. I'm so proud of you. I really, and so now I tried again. I tried again to give him a response that he was looking for. And AJ, for his part here, a 17-year-old boy is that, that is, that is a lot of 17-year-old boys would have just run from a situation like that, but he engaged, thanks to his mom, he engaged in that situation as well. And we just had an incredible moment in, in, that, in AJ's room that night. We had an incredible moment of, of a celebration and healing and release of resentment and bitterness. Now, how could that have worked out? It could have worked out that that whole thing happened. Tracy was afraid to say something to me, even though she knew that AJ needed more. AJ was afraid to say it, but he buried it and shoved it deep in his heart. And we end up paying therapy bills for the next 20 years for my son. And that's how it happens in so many families. Because nobody's, nobody's there like saying, hey, whoa, hey, let's engage in this right now. Let's engage in this in a healthy way. And that kind of thing happens in our household all the time. And it's happened in our household for 20 years. Our daughter's 20 years old. It's, ha- it's been happening actually before that. For 22 years, it's been happening like that. 
to the glory of God and for the good of our kids and for the good of our marriage. You know what that's called? That's called emotional health. That's an emotionally healthy people, mainly my wife, who lovingly brings that kind of health into our family dynamics, which is relational health. So we have a healthy marriage because we can talk about these, these kinds of things and it doesn't turn into explosions and fights. That's EQ. And so self-awareness is a really big part of that and that's what we're going to talk about today. Three markers of a self-aware person. Again, grade yourself, not someone else. Let them own their stuff. You've got to own your stuff. Grade yourself on these three markers. We're going to look at some, some scripture. Then we're going to pray together, and you guys are going to get in your minivans and talk about it on your way home. Here we go. Number one, self-aware people have the courage to articulate their faults and their strengths. They're secure enough to take a compliment. And it, by the way, it does take some security to take a compliment. But they're also secure enough to listen to a rebuke. So we've got two sides of the spectrum here. We've got faults and strengths. We all have them. I'm going to just say that again. That's tweetable. Faults and strengths, and we all have them. And the sooner we can just admit we all have them, rather than trying to cover up for our faults or try to come across as perfect or unflawed, Man, the healthier you're going to be internally, emotionally, and then externally, relationally. If you suffer from insecurity, and most of us do, everyone has insecurities. One of the things that we regularly talk about in our home is our insecurities. You want to get over your insecurities? Talk about them. Put them, put them on, here's how I like to think about it. Put them on a table. Here's an insecurity of mine. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to bury it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm going to put it on the table, and I'm going to say, I wonder what that's about. I wonder where that came from. I'm not afraid of that. That doesn't define me. I'm defined by my relationship with God. I'm, I have value because I'm made in the image of God, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good with me. So because I'm good with me, I'm willing to look at my weaknesses, because I'm comfortable with me, I'm willing to look at my weaknesses. I'm willing for my wife to look at my weaknesses. I'm willing for my wife to call out my weaknesses. I'm willing for, if you're, for you women, I'm willing for my husband. Young people, this is really rare in young people, but, help, but, but self-aware, healthy, emotionally healthy young people are those young people. And this can happen. You can do this, young people. And the sooner you learn this, the better off you'll be. An emotionally healthy young person is a teenager who says, no, how can I grow in this, mom? Dad, how rare is that? How can I grow in this? No, I, you're right, you're right, you're right. This is true about me, this thing you just said. You're right. Let's put that on the table and let's examine that together. Let's talk about it. Let's not bury our heads. Let's not sweep it under the rug, which is what I always did growing up in my family of origin. We never dealt with these kinds of things, ever, ever. We never talked about how it was really going we never talked about it at church. I never one time heard a sermon about emotional health at church. Not one time. Is that because God doesn't care about that? Of course God cares about that. He cares so much more about that stuff than most of the stuff I learned growing up in church. God cares about this for you. He wants you to do, put in the work. He wants you to be secure enough to take a compliment. He wants you to be secure enough to listen to a rebuke. 
Let's look at some scripture. Proverbs 2.3. Cry out for, un- for insight ask- and ask for understanding. What this is saying, this, is a, this to me is the theme verse for this whole series on EQ. This, I could not have lived op- more opposite of this verse when I was younger. I didn't cry out for insight into my own, who, what was going on in my head, what was going on with my emotions. I never even gave it a second thought. I was so, did I mention I was clueless? I was so clueless about this stuff. So when I first got married and Tracy would sit down and she would say, well, let's talk about that. I'd be like, whoa, what? Well, let's talk about that. And she was so good at just putting, bringing stuff up and talking about this stuff. That I was just like, I don't know how to handle what was, what's going on right now. When we first started Alpine Church, I'd come home and she'd say, hey, let's talk about your day. And I, like that was offensive to me. That was not what we did in our family growing up. We're just, that day's done, we're going to move on, and we're going to just check out. She's like, no, let's, let's engage, let's talk about your day, how'd you go, and let's talk about this interaction you had with so-and-so, I'm so frustrated with so-and-so right now. Well, let's talk about that. And my initial instinct, my initial reaction to that was to put up a wall, no, I don't want to talk about that stuff, because I didn't know what was going to come out when we talked about that stuff. Can anyone relate to this, or is this just my own little therapy session? Appreciate you guys for listening in on this. I think this is stuff that goes on in most of us. Most of you are more like me than you are like Tracy. Tracy has this, this incredible ability, and she also has a master's in this, but even before that, she was just a healthier person emotionally. She grew up in a family where they talked about stuff. They, they, they would regularly cry out for insight and ask for understanding. In marriage, with your parents, in a small group, with your friends. It wasn't superficial stuff. It was real relationships. This is what God wants for all of us. Here's another passage, Romans 12, 3. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome, which was filled with dysfunctional people. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. See, what, to me, this verse is a verse about self-awareness. He says, no, I want you to do the hard work of seeing who you really are, exposing your weaknesses, exposing your strengths, and being honest about it. Just be real. Be authentic. But if you were to ask the random person out there, give me some words that describe a Christian. In our culture, would they say authentic? Transparent, honest in their evaluation of themselves, humble? Probably not. More often than not, you'd probably hear, oh, yeah, judgmental, rude. That's not what, Je- what Jesus wants from us is, is a whole different way of, of doing relationships, which means a whole different way of doing emotions. We've got to learn to be real about what's really going on. Here's the second thing, second marker. Again, evaluate yourself, not your spouse. Self-aware people are humble and teachable when someone points out a weakness. So not only, do you, not only are you honest about your strengths and weaknesses and you can take a compliment, but when somebody points out a weakness, your response is humility and teachability. Now, I want to just stop there for a second. When was the last time somebody 
When was the last time somebody gave you constructive criticism? I want you to just think for a second. I'll give you a minute to get it in your head. Probably it was this morning, if you're married. Last time someone gave you, like, are you really going to go out in that? You know, like, do you realize those don't match? You know, that kind of thing, or whatever. I mean, it could be little ticky-tacky stuff like that, or it could be deeper stuff. Maybe it was at work this week, young people. Maybe it was at school this week. I want you to get in mind the last time somebody, somebody, somebody kind of called you out on something and gave you constructive criticism. And by the way, if you can't think of a time, you got a real problem. Serious. Here's your problem. Nobody does it anymore because of how you responded. In my marriage, it happens all the time. And I'm grateful for that. Both ways, me to Tracy and Tracy to me. Because we've gotten past the getting offended when somebody calls you out on something. We're, we're, so long gone, it's, we're so long past that that now we could just naturally say, hey, Trace, could I bring some, when you said this, or hey, could I, could I give you an insight on this? And she's just not, it's not like defenses and walls go up right away and now we can't even, that's that, that's that, that hard heart we, we've gotten to the, and it took us a while to get here, but we've gotten to this point where we trust and love each other so much that we can easily, like what I just shared in, in my son's room. Some of you are like, oh, my parents would have never done that. My mom would never have said that to my dad or vice versa. Or I would never say that to my spouse. Why? Because you don't trust their reaction to it. So here it is, it, it took us years to get to this point where, where we had an issue that could have been really detrimental to AJ, to our son, but instead, because we've worked on this for years, Tracy was able to just say, hey, Bri, I think AJ needs more than that. And we were working on it, just like that. It wasn't like, what are you, ta- what are you talking about? It wasn't like all of a sudden I'm like reacting, trying to cover up for, the, trying to cover up for my sin. Like, okay, I blew it. I blew it right there. You're right, I blew it. I responded with a teachable heart and, said, and I said, let me try that again. When's the last time you responded like that? How do you typically respond when someone points out something in your life? Typically, you respond to sin with sin. Let me explain what that means. When someone calls out a sin in your life, and I... Maybe I shouldn't even use the word sin. A shortcoming, a weakness, just so that you maybe re- you'll receive this a little bit better today. When someone calls out a sin, something that you do wrong, and guys, we all sin all the time, okay? So that, we're good. It happens. It's normal. We all sin all the time. The problem is when you sin and someone in your life who loves you and wants the best for you and for the people in your world, when they call you out on that sin, most of the time, the real problem is your sin in response to your sin. In other words, the way you respond when someone calls you out. Responding in sin when someone calls you out. The godly way to respond is with a teachable, humble heart. The sinful way to respond, and we have a topic on this, we don't have time for it, but here's a summary of it. The ten sinful, ten sinful responses to sin, let's just go through the list real quick, is you can minimize it, you can legitimize it, you can rationalize it, you can blame shift, point fingers, you can use diversionary tactics, you can do partial confession, 
You confess a little bit of it, just enough to get your spouse off your back. You can have worldly grief, which is the opposite of godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is you're really genuinely sorry. Worldly grief is you're sorry you got caught. You can respond with victimization. You can say, well, it's because so-and-so did this to me when I was young. You're the victim. You're not the, you're not the perpetrator. You're the victim. You can respond with mere confession, which is lip service. You're confessing it, but you don't really mean it. Or you can respond by codifying it to say, no, it's not sin, it's a disease. These are just 10 simple responses to sin. Again, there's a topic on Pursue God about this. You can scan that QR code if you want to find it. It's a great one to talk about, but only if you're willing to be self-aware. Only if you're willing to do the work, the hard work of being emotionally healthy, which is what God wants from all of us. Let's look at some scripture. Genesis 3, 11 and 12. This is an example of blame shifting. Adam and Eve sinned. God comes to them and says, hey, who told you we're naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat from? And look at the man's reply. He says this, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and so I ate it. That's double blame shifting. It's not my fault, says Adam. It's either your fault or it's the woman's fault. And we all, this is what I admit, this is my, still to this day, my natural reaction when someone calls out something in me, it's usually my wife's calling it out, my, my very first inclination in my heart is to defend myself and to think of someone else to blame. To this day, that's still the very first thing that happens. Now, 20 years ago, that would come out of my mouth. Today, it's the very first thing, and I'm like, whoa. Okay, acknowledge that I want to I try to find someone else to blame for this. And now I say, but no, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. So now it doesn't usually come out. <laughs> Sometimes it does, but it doesn't usually come out. Proverbs 13, 18. If you ignore criticism, you will end up in poverty and disgrace. What a great verse. If you accept correction, you will be honored. Young people... This one's for you. I mean, it's really for everybody. But for some of us, it's too late. But young people, <laughs> this one's for you. Man, I'm telling you, if you could live, I so wish I had a sermon like this when I was 16. Oh, I so wish I would have heard this. It would have been so good for me to hear this and say, okay, all right, I want to I wanna be a, the kind of person who listens to criticism, who openly listens to criticism, who welcomes criticism and who accepts it because I'll be honored if I do. Young people, pay attention. It's true. It's in the Bible. It's true. This is a principle. Ask your parents. They can give you a hundred examples of when they failed to do this and it, it hurt them in the end or when they did do this and they're so glad that they did. Proverbs 13, 18. One last marker. Self-aware people have authentic prayer lives. Their transparency with God leads to transparency with others. Some of you are probably thinking, this is like, I'm, you're drinking out of a fire hose right now. You're like, this is so, this would have been a lot for me when I was 16. Because a lot of this is so new. Like you've heard about Moses and David. And so you come and you've got some context for those sermons. But for self-awareness, some of you are like, I didn't know this was even a thing. And you got a million thoughts going through your head right now. I get it. So, so this last marker is actually also your first step. 
A, real, a re, truly self-aware person got there by being authentic with God in their prayer life. Because if you can't be authentic with God in your prayer life, then how the heck are you going to be authentic with your spouse? How are you going to be authentic with your friends? If you can learn, it's a lot easier to be authentic with God because nobody else needs to hear about it and God's pretty good at being a confidant. You can get this out with God and start doing some of this work with God and say, God, I want to be real with you. Here's what I'm struggling with. Like, I want to be transparent with you. Here's Here's what just went through my mind today. Some of, you, some of you have never done that in your relationship with God. Your, your prayer time is just very, is like, uh, you know, dinnertime prayers or, or just like really safe lists about praying for other people's pets, you know. Now, God wants you to do the work with him. God wants you to say, like what Jesus did in the garden. He said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the cross. That's an emotional prayer. Some of you need to learn how to be more authentic with God. And and a transformation will happen when you start being authentic with God and you're like, God, here's how I really feel. Here's here's the sin that I'm struggling with right now. And I'm I'm not going to try to hide it. God knows anyway. If you think you're fooling him, you're definitely not fooling God. You're probably not fooling your wife. Young people, you're not fooling your parents. But you're definitely not fooling God. He already knows everything anyway. So learn to be authentic with him. God, here's how I'm really feeling. Here's what I'm really dealing with. Help me with it. I don't know what to do. Help me with it. And you start interacting with God like that. You start relating to God like that. And pretty soon you can start relating to the people in your world like that. No more masks. No more hypocrisy. No more fakeness. Just authentic. Here I am. This is who I am. I'm not done yet. God can still change me. God is still transforming me. He's still renewing me. But right now, this is what I bring to the table. (laughs) And help me to be better. And a great example, let's close with this, is Psalm 139. This is the prayer of David. David was one of those guys that just had EQ all over the place. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What a raw prayer. What a great prayer model of a prayer. In fact, for some of you, if you're like, I don't even know, I wouldn't even know where to start. Just pray this. Pray this for two weeks. Literally, like open up to Psalm 139. The whole Psalm's awesome. You can pray the whole thing or just these two verses. Just pray this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. What a great prayer. What a prayer of of a guy who says, I'm not perfect. I've got weaknesses. I know I've offended you. I know I have sins. And in my relationship with you, God, I want to learn how to do this better. And then what happens is in your relationship with other people, you can do it better too. God cares. He cares about your emotional life. He doesn't just care about your IQ. He cares about your EQ. It starts with being authentic and more self-aware, your weaknesses and your strengths, and see what God does in us, not just in us, but then see what God does in our church as people that we relate with are so refreshed by a bunch of authentic, self-aware, imperfect people. God's kingdom will will grow as well because of it. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray.
that you would allow all of us in this, in this day when it's so easy, because this is what the world does, it's so easy just to, to try to be the, try to project the best version of ourselves. I pray, Lord God, that you would give men and women and young people in this room today, I pray that you would give us the courage to project our authentic selves. And then the hope to know that you're not done with us yet. And so for the people who are here who, who, who've never heard about this kind of stuff, they've never, they've never even explored these ideas and these thoughts, they've never even considered that this is biblical, God, I pray that you would help those people to do the hard work of going to you, starting with you and saying, God, show me if there's any offensive way in me. Expose those things in me so that I can walk in your ways for your glory and for my good. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.